Hi, and welcome to God, Guns, and Prep. This will be our fourth episode. Today, we're going to be doing a little bit of a mix-up than what we usually do. We're not going to be on just one topic. We're going to do two different things today. First, we're going to go off of power and power prep. Then we're going to do a gun review. And please enjoy this episode. So I've got a question for you. Why do you think we need power? Power's just going to stay on forever, right? <laughs> no, there, there are many reasons that your power can shut off. Things like, I mean, hell, our, our grid system is so old. Anything can happen at any time. Let's say power just gets shut off in your neighborhood because they're working on it. You have an elderly person, and it's like 100 degrees plus outside. Yeah. Well, your inside ain't going to stay cool very long. You know, and you know those elderly people. Hey! Give me my cookies! Where's my coolness? You know how they, them are. But, um... Yes. I mean, that's just like a very practical reason. You know, maybe to, to run some lights at night. If your power gets shut off in your neighborhood for a few days, something happened, they're working on it. Or even in just an emergency situation, you know, they're not going to keep the power on. That is their least of concerns. Well, right, but okay. So I just get a gas generator, I'm good, right? Well, that depends. No, I just buy one and yay, we got power. Until your gas runs out. Make your own? Not everybody knows how to do that. Okay. And it's your your own homemade gas isn't necessarily good for your engines. They're okay, they'll work in a pinch, but they're not good on them. They're actually less lubricant than because I've done some research on this. They're actually less lubricating than normal fuel or gas. Okay. Alright. So... And here's the thing. When your gas runs out... Well, if the gas station doesn't have power, how are those pumps going to pump gas? Use a siphon. Well, then you're stealing. Not you! The gas attendant! Yes, because the gas attendant is going to walk out, figure out the math, then you're going to pay him in cash, and then he's going to siphon gas out of the tanks. No. No gas attendant is going to do that. Also... I would, but I'm a weirdo. Yeah, you're a weirdo. Anyhow, also, I mean, let's say power's off for good. Worst case scenario... Your power's off. It's not coming back on for who knows how long. It could be years. Okay. Let's say an EMP happened, because that's a possibility in today's warfare. Well, that's yeah. true. Yes, you're right. Um, you know, if an EMP happens, what are you going to do then? You know? Well, okay. According to experts, um, I've actually done a lot of study on this. And according to EMP experts, uh, they say that most vehicles will not just stop because of an EMP. Most engines will not stop because of an EMP. Some will. And 
you know, that's inevitable. But the the scenario of all engines stop because of an EMP, you know, that's wrong. Um, I mean, I only ones with a computer will. No, not necessarily. Um, it just it depends, and that's the expert says. Some computers will, some computers won't. It just depends on, it just depends. There's not a distinct, yes, that'll fry, no, that won't. You know, um, there's a lot of carved vehicles, that'll still run. There's a lot of fuel-injected vehicles, that will still run. You know, there's ways to protect them, too, but that's a whole other kettle of fish. Um, okay, so... Alright, so what are some other ways? Well, some other ways, let's say there's there's solar. Okay, but solar is expensive and you have to maintain your battery bank usually. But, there are cheaper methods and easier methods. You, you have a solar charger. Yes, I do. You have a big old solar panel. Uh-huh, I have two. Two yeah. solar panels. Yeah, and it'll hook up to, your solar charger will hook up to other batteries as well. Like. Oh. Blood yeah. acid batteries, or uh huh, and you can, um, you can actually hook up a solar panel to a regular uh, power strip, and it'll run whatever wattage is coming through. Let's say you have a hundred watt solar panel. Normally, you're only getting between eighty and ninety watts of solar power running to the power strip. You can plug a regular device in and it'll run. I mean, but then you also have the downfall of solar where it's not, it if it's a cloudy day, like a really, really cloudy, yeah. gooky day or night, necessarily, you can't necessarily charge your batteries up. Some of them have moon chargers or whatever. Some of them can kind of work on cloudy days, but... Most of them will work on a cloudy day. Um, yeah, just not as well. Now, the big one I have, I have a 350-watt uh, panel that is designed for a roof. That'll power, that'll actually still power the house It's designed so effectively that it will still uh, create energy even on a very cloudy day. But here's another cloudy. downfall to solar. I mean... Well, yeah, it's expensive for one. For two, it's lower maintenance, but when you do have to maintain it, it's usually you're replacing batteries and right. um, cleaning your solar panels off. And I mean, the other thing is, let's say it's daytime. Well, you're not going to use your power during the day. You want to get all the power saved up you can, charged up that you can during the day. There's, there's uh, for solar chargers, solar, uh, and the solar, they're called solar generators. There's what's called pass-through pass charging. So you can still use some of the power that's being created by the solar panel to, let's say you're going to run, oh, a laptop. Um, not to run a laptop easy. Or, you know, you're not going to run... An electric stove. No. Um, I can run a freezer. Um, but if you're going to run a freezer off of a solar solar bank, 
what you need to do is grab a timer and instead of having it plugged in to where it's on all the time have it plugged in and have it uh, turn on every for a half hour every three hours so three hours off half hour on three hours off half hour on and also you know duct taping around where it seals is helpful as well in situations like that duct Not tape new ones. the one you have in there that's sealed oh yeah it's sealed great I mean, I would still do it just as kind of like an extra surety, but, I mean, because also seals wear out over time. Well, right, but that's why you have, but I wouldn't put duct tape on it right now because it's fine. You're lifting it up and it won't lift up. You have to go, and so it's sealed good. Oh, yeah. If it's like ping and then it just opens, then yes, then you should put, but you can also get, um, just more rubber sealant and but you should do all that before this is an issue you know um, so yeah there's lots of things that you can do um, you can even do a if the HS SHTF really hit the fan there's going to be batteries everywhere there's going to be cars there's going to be people they're not going to you know, there's gonna be tons of batteries, and even before well, here's, that. Here's here's a question. Okay. So let's say, you know, not everybody lives in a house. Well, right. Some people live in apartments, yeah, like true. I do. Uh huh. And you know, you can't necessarily have or run a generator in an apartment. No. The landlords won't allow it. You can put it on. If there's no power, and you can put it on the back. Most people have. You can stick it out a window. You can actually... You have a balcony. You can put it on the balcony. Now... Um, yes, I could. So, and it probably wouldn't hurt anybody or anything. But still, no. my landlords wouldn't allow it. Okay. But, here's the thing. Let's say you live in an apartment and you want something solar. Right. Well, here's what you do. I can tell you this right now because I have the setup. You can have a smaller solar panel charging up a battery during the day hook a power inverter up to the battery and then you can use that to run some lights at night maybe charge up a walkie-talkie or shortwave radio or something like that but it's slow it's right. not the biggest solar panel because you know I live in an apartment I ain't got much space right but you know what you could do that's you don't even have to have a solar Grab a, go to the junkyard and get an alternator. Hook that alternator up to a standing bicycle. Hook a, hook the chain up to it or a belt, either one, to the alternator, and hook that up to. So the bicycle is hooked up to the alternator. The alternator wires are hooked up to a battery. There you go. You can charge. You can work out and charge your battery. There you go. That's a way. Um, and it's not expensive. Because you can get you can get alternators at a junkyard for what? Twenty bucks? Yeah. And you can get the big ones from like a truck. The bigger they are, the more power you're gonna run. And you can the more power it'll create. So it's it's still twelve 
it's still a 12 volt system, but there's more watts. Yeah. So. And, you know, there are lots of other th options you can get for running lights at night that maybe you don't have to use your your precious, you know, solar bank or your precious, you know, power that you have to have for whatever reason that you have. You know, like, let's say you want to run lights at night, but you don't want to use up that power from your, your battery you've been charging all day. Well, they have Goal Zero at Sportsman's. They have some really good lights that'll light up a whole house easy. They're also solar powered. You set them outside, let them charge up. Well, right. But instead of going with Goal Zero, if you're on a budget, go to All A Dollar and grab the solar powered lights from uh, the yard lights. They're actually they're actually pretty bright, and they run great. Let them sit them out there in the sun, pull them back in at night, and you have light. Yeah. You know, is it the most effective? No, but who cares? It works. You know, it's just... They also have rechargeable flashlights and stuff like that. Right. That you can, like, you know, shake and it'll charge it up, but that takes forever. Those... The shake lights... Excuse my language. They suck. I own one. They suck. They also have hand crank rechargeable ones, too. Right. Those are okay. But you have to crank them forever. Well, what the problem is is that if you're in a long-term situation, that's going to wear out. You know, with with the alternator, that's not going to wear out very very fast. And there's always there's always going to be a supply of them. And even if it's not pro providing enough to start a car, it's still going to provide enough to charge a battery. Yeah. It just takes longer, you know, and so it's, there's a whole, there's a whole host of different ways to do it. And you just have to figure out on what you're going to be able to run. Can you run a whole house on a solar system? You can, yes. Um, it'll cost you probably around $3,500 for that system. You can get them on eBay. It's like a three kilowatt, which three thousand watts of. It's a three thousand watt inverter, and it has the batteries already and the solar panels. And it's about three grand, or maybe a little more, but it's it's about that. Um, would that run a whole house? Probably. I mean, would you be able to run like a washing machine? Probably a washing machine, but not a dryer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a, a big washer? No, but they have, they have small studio apartment washers. They're like two, three hundred watt washers. Yeah, but not everybody's going to want to use the power on that either, necessarily. No, but most people... I mean, hell, go get a washboard. Quit being lazy. Most people don't know how to use them. They're not that hard. No, but... If you have if you have five kids, you're not going to be washing clothes for five hours with a washboard. You have to, you will. That's why people are going to have... When, when the peanut butter goes boom, 
you're going to see some pretty ingenious ideas on how to get things done. Yeah. We're not, we're not, but we're, people think that, oh, we're going to be stuck back in the 1800s. No, because we have the technology already. We already know how to build that stuff. Back in the 1800s, they didn't know that technology existed. We're not losing our brains if the power goes out. Maybe some will, but most of us are going to go, okay, let's figure this out. We have all this stuff still. We still have wire. We still have, you know, can we still build transformers? No, we'd have to go back to the old point system. That's how they first started with it. Start where they very first started. A wire and a battery that created a light. And you can make a battery, lead and acid. A lead acid battery. That's how batteries are made. And you can make acid, so... Well, and that, and uh, there are also ways to rejuvenate batteries. old dead batteries. Yeah, there is. Like car batteries. Yeah. I've done it. You know. You take some uncoated aspirin, and you drop a half a tablet in each cell, and you fill it up with distilled water, and you can trickle charge it. And that will... Now, you can trickle charge still in a bad situation to rejuvenate a battery. Let me ask you this question. Do you know why the acid aspirin works? Uh, no. Okay. Because the aspirin is actually acid. It's like caric acid. Um, and so, it is actually an acid. So, shoot, you could probably even use sulfuric you can use ferric acid, you can use citric acid. Um, but you're, so you're putting an acid back in the water, distilled water, and that's actually creating the battery. So, you know, yes, you can rejuvenate batteries that way, but back then, how did they make them? Sulfuric acid and lead. So, you know, even if the acid, even if the batteries are dead, there's going to be, you know, we're not losing our brains of how to do stuff. We still know how to make all that stuff. You know, there's still chemists, there's still scientists. You know, you may not have one right around the corner, but we're still going to be able to go, you know, there's still going to be a, information system where we can still get information even if it's the pony express by car you know or even a horse by that matter but you know we're still going to be able to have information yeah because there's tons of books lots of books on how to do it you know science books and stuff made from the early days 1900s 1940s all that stuff is still written down. And it's still written down on how to create all that stuff. So, you know, books would be a great thing on actually how to create power. Uh, you know, you you say stuff about, oh, what about gas? Well, there is a technique called wood gas. What that is, is you have a, you basically have a wood burner uh, that burns sawdust 
or wood pellets or even coal. You take the smoke, you let it cool, and you run it into the carburetor. And it'll start a car. It'll run a car, it'll run a tractor, it'll even run a generator. So I've done some research with that, yep. actually. And there's this guy online. Uh, I think his name is Colin Fergie or something like that on YouTube. Right. And he does it with a lawnmower. Mm -hmm. Now, it's interesting to see the system that he sets up. It's a little more complicated than you would think. But it's not so complicated that a normal person with a little bit of skill set can't, can't do. Well, that's just it. It's like we're not... Because if you... If you were to just let it cool and go straight into the carburetor, right. you'd ruin your engine and your carburetor like that. Not necessarily. Well, you would, and here's why. He Could. puts it through filters, special well, okay. filters that he makes, and this tar-like goo that's the, is um, created by it. Well, right. Well, that's also depending on... That's depending on the... He's probably burning pine. If he's burning pine, that'll create the, the tar goo. Well, and he did it with a few different woods. I don't remember all of them. And so... I mean, but in Utah, pine is going to be one of the easiest ones to get, I'm sure. No, we don't have a lot of pine in Utah. There's a lot of pine trees, but we also have more hardwoods than pine. True. And besides, you're letting it cool. You're running it through a... So... You're, you're not just letting it, you're letting it cool through a long pipe. But it's also going, right when it starts, it's going through a filter of needles or leaves or it's going through some sort of system. You can let it go through a ceramic filter or whatever filter you want to set up. But um, the, there's a, there's a show on on TV that used to be that's called the wartime farm and it is a show about in Great Britain how they used tractors how they ran tractors off of this exact system and they used coal and they ran it through um, it wasn't a they used uh, leaves and that sort of thing and brush and twigs as a filter to filter out that stuff and do you have to have it? Eh, you know it's like it'd be better to have it but if you couldn't do it right that day you know but it's it gets some moss or whatever and anyway so you're right it's like you can do it with uh, with a filter but you don't have to have cloth. You can do it with natural elements. Oh yeah. I'm just stating that either way you're going to want to make a filter for it. Well right. Or but you can not, ruin your engine and such. But it's not like a... But I mean that goes with any fuel source. You probably have a filter of some sort for it. Yeah. I mean you look at our gasoline engines now. Usually they have a fuel filter. Normally. You know but that's just it. It's like you can use you know it's like you could even use it. A coffee filter. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a filter. It's not going to... It's more... The coffee filter is less porous than, let's say, some uh, 
natural fibers. It's a little more woven, and so you know it'll it'll collect that stuff, and it'll. You know, but you're right. It's like you know it's when I say cooling, I'm like I'm already thinking that there's part of the filter system in it because it's like it has to go group. You know, because it has to cool off, and the more it cools off, you know, it's going to go through a. You have a sediment container, and it goes through there, and then into the motor. So, yeah. You know, but you know, it's a good idea to bring that up because I'm like, yeah, you're right. It's like, you know, because it's like I know how to build one, but talking about it, I'm like, oh crap, I forgot that. Oops. Anyway. But yeah. I mean, there are lots of good power sources that you can do regardless. There's lots of fuel and non-fuel driven systems. Um, just, you know, do some research. Find out what you think is going to work best for you and your household or your family or whatever in a bad situation. Now, just remember that gasoline does have an expiration date. Yes, it does. But you can put stable in it. If you're in an apartment, don't use gas. Use some other source of fuel, um, whether it or some other means, because gas will end up going by real fast. Uh, normally, there's you can't, you don't want to store gas inside, and in an apartment, you have a balcony or whatever. It's like you don't want to store 10 gallons of gas on the balcony. You know, um, they have they have propane generators, and you can even make a gas generator into a propane generator. That'd probably be the for people in a in an apartment. That'd probably be one of the easiest things to do, because most people in an apartment they have a grill outside. So, you know, most of them. This is Utah, we or wherever, you know. Most people in apartments, they're always grilling. And if they're not grilling outside their backyard, they they're grilling out front. They have a place where they have propane. Yeah. And so you know So there you have it on power today guys. Um, you know, just do your research, find out what works best for you, your situations, your find out what's gonna be the best setup for you. And go with it. Run with it. You know. Um, obviously, try try to find cheaper options. You know, nobody wants to spend necessarily a bunch of money that they worked hard for on something that they might possibly never even use, or they might end up having to use a lot. You know, it's all. I mean, me and James here, we we strive to prepare for the worst. We prepare for the worst not because we want the worst to happen. We pray it never happens. But we do understand that things are going to happen in life that you cannot control. We just recently went through a pandemic and we're still going through it. And it was a hard one. You know, it was crazy. Lots of people lost their jobs. Lots of people died over a stupid virus, you know. People were under lockdown. And they could go under lockdown again. It could you know, happen. Talking about it. So, you know, it's just, it's not about fear. 
that's the thing. It's like we're not trying to make everyone afraid. You know, you, but, you prepare for the worst, you know, but you hope best. for the best. You know, and if something does happen, remember, don't lose your brain about it. Sit down, figure out what you can do with what you have. Because everybody has something laying around that they can use for other means than what it was designed for. You know, this is the U.S. We're, we're human. We can make pretty much anything out of something else. You know, it's like, why do you think most rednecks can survive? Because they can make a lawnmower out of a washing machine. I've seen it done. Yeah. You can actually create a power source with a washing machine. Seen that done too? Yep. You use a river. Yep. And you have to filter that. That'll actually gum up your bearings. Um, and you should replace your bearings in the washing machine if you're going to do that uh, every other two years. So have a surplus of bearings, ball bearings. Uh, and that'll, that's a that's a great way of creating power with nothing because you can you can go to an old appliance store and grab a, a washing machine. Yep, for fairly cheap. Now well, most of them are free. If one is dead, you can get it for free. Now we're going to transition here into a uh, a gun review. We're going to talk a little bit about budget guns. And uh, we're going to go into that a little bit. And I have my favorite budget gun here. It is a Hatfield 20 gauge single shot break action shotgun. Because he's a nut. I don't know why he likes that thing. But... It costed me $108 after tax at Walmart. Woohoo! You can't find that right now though. Not for 100 bucks. Now or... if you get lucky you can. But they also have you know a 12 gauge version of it. And I'm in Walmart, they're sold out. Really? Everywhere I look, they're sold out. And you just don't look hard enough then. But anyhow, I uh, I love shotgun as a as a budget gun because you can do lots of things with shotguns. You know, especially a single shot break action. You know, run the mail shotgun. It could just be a truck gun that sits in your truck for if you need it. It could be a home defense gun. You can hunt with them. You can do all sorts of things with them. They are just wonderful, in my opinion. Now, yeah, you only got one shot. I mean, a little bit of practice, you can be faster and better. What's your opinion on the Hatfield 20-gauge shotgun, James? It goes boom. I would hope so. It's a no frills. It's a no frills gun. Um, if I think it would be a great starter gun for someone who doesn't have any knowledge with guns or very little, um, because there's nothing to really go wrong with. It. You know, um, would I suggest something a little better if they could afford it? Probably, but if but if you're an 18-year-old and has a family, you know, just getting married, that sort of thing, and want to have something to protect your home with, then yeah, 
that would work. You know, uh, especially right now. Well, like I said, Daxon says he can still find them. I've been looking and I can't find them. But this is here in Walmart or Utah, so maybe in other parts of the country you can still find them. Oh yeah, I'm sure. But because I've looked in the Walmart and all their guns are gone. There's no there's no guns in Walmart. You know, Orem, Springville, wherever, you know, even all the way up in Lehigh and beyond, they're gone. So but you know, so you like it. Um, why don't you talk about what what you can actually uh, so it's a 20 gauge yep so it's, um, so what are the shots that you can put through it what shots can you put through it yeah. I mean you can put buckshot through it you can put slugs through it even um, you can put birdshot in it right you can also put home defense rounds in it they have them. They're not as common to find in 20 gauge, but you can find them. Okay. And so, let's say you want something more non-lethal for you. You can find beanbag rounds for 20 gauge. Easy. Right. But that's it's, that's a point you say, non-lethal. I should say less than lethal. It, yeah, I was going to say, because a beanbag round, if you're a little close, it'll go right through you. Yeah, it can still kill you. So... Um. And they're not normally, they're a beanbag, but they're normally filled with like, like a lead. Yeah. Some of them are, I don't know if any of them are filled with sand. Most of them are just filled with little shot pellets. Yeah. Um, and that's like getting hit by a slug. You know, if you get hit in that with the chest at 20 yards, probably go right through you. Yeah. And like I said, you can find these in 12 gauge. Let's say you want you want to do some hunting with it. 12 gauge might be a little bit better. You can still hunt with 20 gauge, but you know, it's not as not as big of a bang. Well, right, but what are you gonna? You're not gonna hit. You're not gonna hit a deer in Utah with a 20 gauge. No, no, you'd want a 12. You're not gonna hit a deer with a shotgun in Utah. Most of those shots are three and four hundred yards away. For a buck. Well, my best advice to, you know, if you have to hunt a buck with one, better get good at getting close. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Learn to Your, your biggest thing, your biggest hunting with a shotgun is going to be bird. Bird-like right. or rabbit, possibly. Most likely rabbits. Because there are lots of rabbits in Utah. You know, there's lots of birds, but, you know, big game, no. If you're in Texas or in other states where they have a populace of whitetail, we don't have whitetail in Utah. And if we do, very few. Um, then, yes, you can get close to those animals because they're all over the place. Most of those shots are taken at... 50 yards or less. And you use a slug, slug at 50 yards to take down, you know. And in other states, you can shoot those. You tell them. Yeah. You have to have a special permit. And most of the time, um, they don't issue the doe tags. Yep. And uh, 
you know, so hunting is an option with this shotgun. Um, you know, home defense, it'll, it'll do home defense as well. You can cut it down a little bit here in the state of Utah, the barrel. Not much, but, well, actually, no, you can get quite, pretty far down there. A uh, shotgun, just so that people know, um, a shotgun has to be, I believe the overall length from barrel to end is between, I believe it's 26, but it might be as much as 28. Do your research. And the barrel length is 18 inches for Utah. And I believe that's across the board in most states. Yeah. But again, if you're in out of state, then do your research. Yep. And uh, this is a good truck gun. This is a good budget gun. It's a good everything gun. So, I mean... You know, maybe look it up online on YouTube or something before you decide to get one. You know, make sure that that's what you can deal with, what you can handle. You know, if you've never been into guns before, maybe talk to somebody who has been into guns. You know, so a friend or a family member. And they can tell you their opinions on it if they even know about it. So, but thank you folks for joining us today here on God, Guns, and Prep. Join us next week. Next week we're going to have some tasty stuff for you. Are we cooking? No. You said tasty. No, we're going to have some religious discussions next week. Oh. Yep. Cool. I thought we were cooking. Dang. <laughs> Thank you all and God bless.